Welcome to the Psychology of Case Management podcast, the show that helps you use psychological ideas to strengthen your relationship with your catastrophically injured clients and their professional network, so you can achieve more for your clients and feel more fulfilled in your role. And hello to you, dear listener, and thank you for tuning in to this uh, final solo episode. In fact, the last episode of the series of the Psychology of Case Management podcast. Goodness, that went quickly. So this series finale is a a psychological twist on the classic new beginnings theme where we begin to get ourselves into that headspace of ending one year and starting another, reflecting on the past 365 days and wondering what the next lot will bring us. By now, you and I would have had decades of this sort of cycling through our lives. But for me, it kind of feels different these days. I'm not sure if it does for you, and I'm not really sure I've ever had this annual process happen with the almost social encouragement to consider this annual transition sort of more holistically for our personal and professional lives, for ourselves as well as our families and our colleagues and, of course, our clients. I guess we're living in an era where mental health matters for the first time, as far as I understand it, coaching in our lives is more abundant. Career switching is happening more often to people in their 30s and 40s. How families are run is being challenged with different home roles and family roles evolving all the time. I feel there is so much ambition and view to to kind of do things differently and desire to do so much all at the same time. Like as if we're sort of running like time maybe feels like it's running out. I don't know, something like this anyway. And I'm just noticing that more and more people are sort of stopping and in their tracks and, and almost changing tack. I've always been really interested in what makes people just stop, I guess, and stop kind of carrying on and doing what they always do, partly because I cannot imagine having the energy to turn the, the tanker of sort of what is my life towards another destination. But also because in some cases, I suppose these people seem to be on a clear trajectory to a successful career, you know, with a family and super sociable and all these kind of things. So kind of curious as to why they've stopped. And it does feel like the same theme comes up over and over again. Purpose and meaning. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Do I enjoy it? What is it that I enjoy about it? How do I know I want to carry on or stop what I'm doing? Is the life I'm living sustainable? Who am I even doing this for? Is purpose and meaning the reason the new layer on top of survival and paying bills and quality of life as we know it is the reason why people feel so perhaps rushed and stressed? Is it like the pre-stage to knowing something needs to change or or needs to, to give in some way? I suppose it's rooted in this sort of permission, perhaps, that we want to be the best we can be and we you know, there's there's sort of an understanding that we, we can strive to be a better version of ourselves. And that actually is quite uncomfortable. Maybe people don't necessarily think about that or talk about that so much. Personal transformation includes physical, mental, emotional growth, all of which helps us be a better version of ourselves. The personal growth brings about a sort of emotional maturity and fulfilment and allows us to realise our joy I suppose if you are in that middle space um, between kind of wanting things to be different and striving to be 
and have a better life, that you might be feeling that discomfort and may well be wondering, how can I live next year, but with less of that busyness and franticness? So in today's episode, I thought I would share with you the five ways I have been reflecting to think about making my new year more of what I want it to be and less of what I don't want it to be, to sort of shed the crap and don a new coat, if you will. And in true psychology style, I need a model to hang it all on. So I have loosely used parts of the trusty CBT, uh, Cognitive Behavioural Therapy formulation, by looking at ways to shift using thoughts, feelings and behaviour. So the first is finding my values and what feels right. Have you read my blog about how last year my child wondered so kindly and fiercely at the same time whether I loved her or my phone more? Oh, it still makes me cringe all these months later. This short encounter with my little girl, who always seems to know more about life than her then four years might suggest, stopped me right in my tracks. If you read the blog, and I sincerely hope you do, especially if you found yourself in a similar position, it's on our website, by the way, as a two-parter, you'll see that this was the slap in the face I needed. Not to feel guilty or to feel that I'm a neglectful mum, but more to make me question what I'm doing and whether it was the right thing now and in the long run. Spoiler alert, by the way, on that blog. It wasn't the right thing to do now or ever, because ultimately that insightful little person that I have was right to ask a question so boldly since I was too chicken to do it myself. I vowed, therefore, that I would reevaluate my life and work out what was important to me. Unfortunately, pandemic aside, 2021 became a tough year for me personally with various family issues, and they had been massively distracting and challenging as most personal issues tend to be. As a female and a brown one at that, I began to notice how I emotionally carried the burden of other people's irresponsibility and how much that that was being put on me by others too. This is of course not just the case for females from brown brown backgrounds. As we all know, women are often blamed and made to feel guilty for so many problems. But growing up with that internal expectation that I must have had a part to play in others' wrong decisions and so deserve the criticism was making me really resentful and bitter. For a few months, this difficult wider family stuff had the potential to seriously interfere with my goal to be more available to my own family and especially my little girl who so clearly knew her values. I know I want to be available for my friends and my family, work and my own well-being, of course. I am an honest person. I'm a caring person. I stand up for injustice and inequality, and I will support the truth. When I explored what truly felt right, these qualities were my values, and they easily then became my truth. So my question to you is, what are your values? What are your truths that will take you into next year? So this leads on to my second point, believing it's okay to speak my truth. So knowing and speaking one's truth are two separate things, of course. I do believe that once you know you can commit to your truth in your own mind, you will end up speaking about it more in, I don't know, like conversations with family, friends. It'll be in your thought process. You would feel that sense of misalignment when you're not quite behaving or doing what you know is your truth. 
So it'll grow if it makes sense and it will jar if it doesn't. Like in our self-care podcast, we spoke about getting the right model about what self-care means to you to truly experience what self-care actually is. I think understanding what you're basing your life on means you add activities accordingly. Kind of like a good business plan, you could argue. The true beliefs I have come to overall is that I love my work and I'm not sure I could really do anything else for myself that is more satisfying. I didn't grow up in a culture or era where hobbies were encouraged, so I just worked, just like my parents did, at school, in holiday jobs, while at university, and I've, I've kind of always worked since. This is my truth. I might seem unfulfilled to others who have a rich extracurricular lifestyle, and I have huge admir- admiration for those people, I have to say. But for me, I don't have any sustainable hobbies, really. I dabble here and I do different things with different people. And that's okay. In giving myself permission to say this fact about myself, it has meant I do not feel the pressure so much about getting involved with things I should be doing or ought to be doing. I now know better where I stand in response to ideas and suggestions and expectations. And others know this better of me too. That said, I do also really love my family. And as my examples earlier suggest, I wasn't quite getting it right with my family and I was miserable and I felt quite guilty as a result. Declaring this sense of failing to my husband was part of my commitment to speaking my truth. And while it was painful and made me feel really vulnerable, it was at the same time incredibly freeing. The fact is he had also noticed that I wasn't quite living a life that made me happy and that I was being pulled away from family, by work or other dramas and that it made me ultimately quite disappointed in myself. I can now share my thoughts regularly about how I can demonstrate my values in different ways from making sure I can do school pickups and drop-offs, making sure I do not overload the weekends with work um, in any way. Um, We've got lots of family games now that we play often together. It's definitely more easy and comfortable because I think all my life projects can shift around according to my truth, according to my values. And they're all sort of singing from the same song sheet, so to speak. And the key for me, I think, has really been giving myself that permission to speak my truth. That is my reality. That is who I am. So my question to you is, do you speak your truth? How does it feel when you are speaking your truth and indeed when you're not speaking your truth? And how can you get more of that good feeling in your life? So my third thing um, is doing more to invest in myself. The word investment has quite a financial connotation um, to it, which implies you kind of need money to achieve something. And okay, fine, that's one way of looking at it. And I've certainly done some of that this year by engaging with business coaches and signing up to relevant courses, arranging my caseload so that I have more business focused time and working out what was working and not working a little bit more clearly. And honestly, I'm not even sure that I would have allowed myself to be so costly to the business before I was really honest about what was important to me as a person. But the other type of investment is doing what aligns with your values, which may or may not have a primary connection to money. Effectively, they are behaviours. 
So the third thing I've done since embarking on this reflective journey has been to reinforce or strengthen my ability to keep my values at the fore of my decision making. I used to think it was all a case of doing it alone and values are just my own creation and something that only I can do anything about. But for those more insightful than I used to be, will already have noticed in the stories above that I haven't really done any of that reflection on my own, in fact. They have been shaped by my culture, my parents, my husband, and of course my Jan, which means my love, my life in Urdu, which is my nickname for her. It has also more recently been shaped by difficult experiences. But the bottom line is, understanding what makes me tick is one part. The other part was asking for help or recognising the power in others in helping myself. And of course, vice versa. It was my sister-in-law, Hannah, who suggested being a bit more open to doing more outdoorsy things because of the power of nature, which I know theoretically, of course. Um, And my cousin, Amber, also um, completely subscribes to this and read that research. I think this is what she she told me, that um, hugging a tree was a really grounding experience and um, basically I should try it. And in thinking of ways to live my values and be open-minded about doing more nature-based activities, we as a family became National Trust members and are now exploring all their different properties and sites. And this is completely up my husband's street. Um, and we make fairy houses in each woodland we visit um, with my daughter, not not my husband. Um, but it's the one type of trip that we can all do as a family without any fuss or reluctance. It fits all of our interests and values. And it just um, seems to make a lot of sense. At the risk of sounding like a National Trust advert, it has also been really calming. So I have to say thank you to Hannah and Umber for their suggestions. Um, many a tree has been hugged. And I suppose the point that I'm trying to make is that that investment in myself is really about being able to kind of keep an open mind and to do things that include other people. So my question to you then is, how do you invest in yourself to keep your values alive? What are your behaviours and are they consistent with your thoughts and feelings? So my fourth point is treating yourself gently with kindness. If I can stick to the thought, feeling, behaviour theme that represents living a values-based life in this next year, I will be well chuffed. However, being a psychologist and knowing that this profession does not always protect me from being human and therefore not necessarily living my values-based life, I know it is easier said than done. One aspect of living a more fulfilling life that has become more apparent to me is how hard I can be on myself for not doing what I think is good for me, what I know might be good for me. Our Inner Critic podcast episode um, from series one, check it out because it speaks to this idea um, and I too can be a right a-hole to myself. It's definitely a function I have of having a belief of effectively not being good enough and, you know, feeling like you're letting people down, all that kind of stuff. But it's also about how I respond to experiences of uncertainty and fear and things that feel threatening to who I am and what I stand for. The quality of self-encouragement in times of discomfort is really important. Whether we speak to ourselves in a punishing and critical or unkind and harsh way really does count. Because as progressing as it might mean that we are in some ways, it also means you're losing something. 
I kind of think of it like a Jenga tower. Like, and we all know, you know, like kind of you're taking the blocks at the bottom and sort of building something, but you're also making it weak at the same time. And we all know what happens to the tower eventually. When my therapist asked me to reflect on the quality of my self-interactions and self-sort of conversations, it turns out that I'm not actually very compassionate to myself. And that can be a barrier to feeling satisfied and fulfilled, even if you appear or believe that you're also achieving. Who'd have thought it? (laughs) But I have always struggled with balancing letting myself off the hook and being critically appraising. I am learning to be more kind and forgiving to myself, which turns out to be harder than it sounds. Being aware of how I sound to myself and recognising that this is not helping me live a life that will make me happy is a really hard habit to break, especially when others are possibly putting things on you. But I remain determined to be more friendly and kind to myself. Compassionate self-talk is what it's about. So my question to you is, how nicely do you talk to yourself? Is there a way the quality of your self-talk can add more than it takes away? And is there a way that in the year to come, you could be perhaps more loving and kind to yourself? So my fifth point is, ask solution-focused questions. And I see this as a way to get more good stuff for myself within what I have, which is effectively to ask better questions. By asking better questions, I figure I'll kind of get better answers and better answers means a better outcome. And in this case, a more aligned, settled version of myself, the whole point, of course, of this process. So questions like, why can't I do this get reframed into what would it feel like if I could do this? And it kind of feels like a really great values check. By focusing on the problem, I can easily get stuck into the mindset of criticism, self-loathing and frustration. By asking more solution-focused questions, my outcomes are most likely to be a, a sort of small step towards, but a step nonetheless towards the answer I'm searching for. So instead of asking yourself, why is this a really bad situation. You know, I need to be asking myself, what's working in this situation? And following that train of positive thought by asking solution focused questions after solution focused questions, the better answer can emerge, all the while being protective of the style of self communication that can be destructive and can perpetuate misalignment. And once you've become more fluid at asking yourself those questions, um, those better questions, See if you can replicate it in your conversations too. Turning those thoughts into behaviours effectively. Um, A quick fix would be using the question phrase how rather than why, uh, which is often more conducive to an answer. Whys can sometimes lead to excuses and defensiveness. So why can make us look back and how, you could say, makes us look forward. So my last point, I suppose, is to think about how you are going to support the new look you by choosing your questions wisely. As we often say, and as I'm sure you've heard, language shapes our thinking and our questions are rooted in the conversations that we have with ourselves and with others. And you might even argue that they become the root of your day, your week, your month and even your year. And we want our years to start well. All right, I think I'll stop there. I hope this episode is a helpful way to round off yet another year and helps you focus on your year ahead. Whatever life throws at you, 
so you can hold on to what is truly you, your needs, your truth, your joy. It's worth the effort, I promise you. So happy new year for when you get there and uh, look out for series three in January. Take care for now. Before you go, if you enjoyed the episode today, I'd really appreciate it if you could rate it on whatever platform you're listening on and share and like on your social media profiles. Word of mouth is the best way for us to grow and to be a continuous resource for all. And if there's any topic you wish for us to cover, please drop us a line on our website. Thank you so much for all your support. 